Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode 54 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. I am so excited that I have finally finished the ultimate resource to help unstoppable musicians and actors like you attract fans, media, and industry so that you can book gigs and make money with your talents. Isn't that what you want? It's called, wait for it, How to Attract Fans, Media, and Industry for Musicians and Actors, The Six C's Roadmap to Book Gigs and Make Money. The roadmap takes you through six in-depth phases that, when followed in order, will lead to accomplishing your goals. The best part is that it is free, and you can download it at dianefoy.com freebie. Be sure to check out the Getting Started action steps and resources provided in each phase, and then join us in the Unstoppable Musicians and Actors Facebook group for additional support. Today, my guest is Catherine McNally, an award-winning Canadian actor, director, producer, educator, as well as an international fellow of Shakespeare's Globe Theatre. She recently received the Critics Circle Best Actress Award for Mrs. Warren's Profession. She is a recipient of the prestigious Christopher Plummer Fellowship Award, Woman in Shakespeare Award, Tyrone Guthrie Award, and is one of the top 10 artists voted by Now Magazine here in Toronto. As a diverse actor, some of her film and television credits include Murdoch Mysteries, Anne with an E, The Handmaid's Tale, Schitt's Creek, Twelve Monkeys, Rain, Saving Hope, Flashpoint, the list goes on. And some of her theater credits include The Mrs. Warren's Profession, Measure for Measure, Boston Marriage, Chasing Margaret Flatwood, A Winter's Tale, The Diary of Anne Frank, and The Orphan Muses. Catherine teaches acting at... Toronto Film School, George Brown, and is the co-founder of McNally Kennedy Acting with her husband, Robert B. Kennedy. I hope you enjoy our conversation. We had a lovely chat about the craft of acting. For links in a transcript, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 054. So hello, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. So your your bio, wow. You have a <laughs> lot of credits and awards and it just goes on forever and it's fantastic. I'd love to get into a little bit more of that. Um, maybe just yeah. to start off, like what do you consider the highlights of your career? Well, it depends on the different stages in my life and what I was learning and growing from it as an artist and as a as a woman. 
um, and also my personal life. You know, sometimes things uh, being a mother and coming back into the industry or the business after that. So I think the first thing that really pops into my mind when I started off as an actor was doing a one-woman show by the name of Jewel, written by Joan McLeod. And I fell in love with this play and the the imagery and the poetry of her language and how she told this story of of loss and grief and resilience of the human spirit with this beautiful play. And I produced it. So I, I jumped right in and became a producer of it with my co-partner, uh, Rebecca Kahn at the time. And she is the director of it. And so what we did was we, we started off at the Summerworks Festival. And um, that really gave me of uh, an introduction to the community from, you know, getting my training outside of the country at Lambda in London, England, and then in New York. Um, I didn't really know people in Toronto. I didn't really know, even though I was born and raised in Toronto, I didn't really know the Canadian experience as, a, as an actor at the time. So that was really sort of my kickstart. And that's what introduced me uh, to John Kaplan, who's uh, became a very dear friend of mine and was uh, the reviewer for Now Magazine. So he, as anybody who knows John, unfortunately, he died three years ago. He was really sort of the, went beyond being a theater critic or theater reviewer. He was an ambassador, an advocate for artists and really um, helped up and coming artists to really have a place to be heard. Uh, through his reviews, through his support, through constant exposure. So from there, I end up touring around um, Canada. And uh, so that was sort of a really beautiful way to solidify my craft and also introduce me to the community. I think another experience was when, um, as a family, my husband, who's also an actor, he was going down to Jiva Theatre in New York, uh, in Rochester, New York. And that was just before 9-11. So they were a little bit more amiable for cross-border actors. Right. And uh, I ended up going with him. Um, and I, would, I was pregnant at the time when I was offered to play Mrs. Cratchit opposite his Mr. Cratchit. But uh, mm-hmm. I was pregnant. So we ended up um, having our first foray as a family in that theater. Um, so Kieran, our son, um, was a toddler and a baby and an infant. And then eventually I ended up being part of the company for two seasons. And then Kieran came on board when he was five years old as Tiny Tim. So we were the Cratchits together. <laughs> and uh, he's 19 now at the Royal Military College. And we were just talking about it last night. So that would be a beautiful highlight too as well. And I think another wonderful highlight for me was when I was um, asked to be an international fellow with Shakespeare's Globe in London, England, under the under the mastery of Mark Rylance, who's the artistic director. And uh, and anybody who's in the theatre community or film community or who's an actor would know who Mark Rylance is. Um, extraordinary, um, brilliant um, mentor and actor, of course, who won an Academy Award for uh, his work with Steven Spielberg. So, um, he's uh, just an extraordinary person. So we had uh, selected about three Canadians, two Americans, one Brit and one, uh, two Kiwis or New Zealanders. And we were just selected to, through audition, to be there. And uh, it was under the um, guidance of Janet Lambermont and um, incredibly grateful and an extraordinary experience. And that was really right after my son was born. So I sort of put my career on hiccup for a moment for two years. And then I sort of forayed right, right into being on that beautiful stage, that club stage every day 
for six weeks with under the guidance of Mr. Mark Rylance, uh, linking arms with these other beautiful international actors. Because so that was a really beautiful place to be because I really felt like I was home and I understood fully the, the connection of the shared experience between the actor and my performance with the audience because it's really being in breath with them and being in the moment with them. And, I, and that was really extraordinary. Um, and then I just finished doing Mrs. Warren's Profession two years ago, um, which was a beautiful an, um, opportunity to speak that kind of language um, so viscerally and organically. Um, and, I, and I was uh, acknowledged with an acting award for that. So uh, those are, I think, maybe those four sort of pinnacle moments in that helps <laughs> answer yeah, your question. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's theatrically, that's based on theater, yeah. Yeah, and then you have a lot of uh, film and television credits mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. is your preference theater? Or do you um, love them both? I love them both in different ways. Um, with the situation now that we're all in, obviously theater, and unfortunately theater is pressed pause at the moment. Um, there is more film opportunity, so um, I think actors find themselves segueing into film intelligence eventually from a theater background purely because um, there's more money and it's more immediate. Um, and right now it just seems to be more uh, accessible to do film and television just in terms of what's happening um, with the pandemic. So um, with precautions, um, actor has been really great in negotiating with the producers to make it possible for us to be on set but safely. Um, so they're different beasts. It depends on the role. I think with film, it really does depend on the role. Like if I'm a day player, those are very challenging um, opportunities because you have to really fulfill the world quickly and facilitate that. Um, and that. And you're not part of a, a, a company that you haven't been collaborating with them. Um, and so it's challenging for that. Um, I'm shooting actually um, something starting next week where I have a lot more to do and, and the supporting role of it. So I have a lot more collaboration I think and more of an experience of shared experience with my my fellow actors so it, it's kind of a hit and miss sometimes with film depending on what you're what you're working on like with Rogue when I work with Richard Schriff um, who might people might know from West Wing or The Good Doctor um, he was just uh, he was extraordinary to work with and we created a all my stuff was with him so I learned a lot from him and I had um, a consistent role uh, with him throughout the that series um, and then I had an opportunity to work with uh, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy in Schitt's Creek, which was just glorious, glorious this time. And again, we um, all love Schitt's Creek. You're... Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. So and, and what a beautiful landmark um, and opportunity for all of us to celebrate what is yeah. possible. Right? It's like Canada was celebrating yeah. with them for the Emmys just because oh, it was such gosh. a milestone. It was such a milestone. And and how generous they all are, you know, and, um, when 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 they celebrated uh, all the artists uh, who contributed to that, to that yeah. experience. It's just so, I mean, it's Canadian, right? It's, that's what I love about it so much. So um, in, in theater, I don't get as much opportunity because the roles for women are not as um, plentiful. And usually by that time, it's a pr pretty um, select group of women that will play those roles that they've maintained. It, things might change a little bit. I hope they do. Um, with this pandemic that I think there's, there's, they're pressing a reset button and there's more diversity, I hope, um, in the storytelling and the opportunity for diversity in the casting, which I think is absolutely necessary. Not just, uh, it, it's for ageism too, as well, as well as I think, 
uh, racism that has existed in this, uh, definitely existed in our community, which I, I hope will we research and, and, and take a good look at that and how we can change those stories. So as Obsidian Theater just now, I just read that they have commissioned um, all black writers uh, from across Canada. So these, they're really, like, theater artists are incredibly innovative and creative during difficult times. Like we all know that during the plague, right? Like Shakespeare's time, right? Yeah. Um, this is, if we haven't been through this before. So we're really seeing, uh, I think, I hope, uh, a place with more abundance and less scarcity. Um, so when I do theater, I sometimes get more of a rich opportunity to play someone like Mrs. Warren. Um, and I am more selective about what I do now. Like I, I, I won't, I don't really feel it serves me to go off and do a small little role in a play somewhere that's removed myself from my family. Um, if I'm going to remove myself from my family, I'm going to want to do something that's really um, creatively challenging for me. And because um, it's not for the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. I, um, so there's a bit of a checklist you go through when you get an offer, right? And if you get five out of the 10, <laughs> you, you probably take the offer. Yeah. Um, is you kind of weigh your pros and cons. So it, it depends on the time of my life and it depends on uh, how it affects my family. It depends on, you know, money. It depends on the opportunity, the challenge, who's in the cast with me, who am I working with, who's the director, what's the, what's the, what's, you know, and it doesn't have to be check off, right? Like I, I'm, I might want to do a comedy and, and, um, and I think it's really valuable to have a diversity that you can swing from different genres in film, television, and uh, and plays too. So I, I I'm grateful that I've had that kind of opportunity. Yeah, and I think it brings up for me like some of the things that I coach on is it's important to know your core values mm, because very good point. Yeah. you know everything that you've said so far, I know family is very important mm -hmm. to you and that goes into the decisions that you make about mm -hmm. your life and career mm -hmm. it's good mm -hmm. to keep that front in mind um i'm also wondering how did you get into this is this something you've always wanted to do from a child did mm -hmm. you act as a child did you what what was the <laughs> first inspiration to follow this path uh it's so interesting because um I'm very grateful that we have a family property on Bass Lake near uh, Aurelia. And it's um, the fifth generation McNally on that lake. And as children, um, you know, it's going to sound very Dixonian, but we didn't have a TV and we didn't have a phone. We didn't have hot water, but it's a cottage. And how we entertained ourselves was primarily from the, uh, the, the inspiration from my older sister um, to do plays. And that's what we did. And we would spend the whole first six weeks, July, halfway through August, producing, directing. She would do the producing and directing because she's the older sister and she was the star and everything. And I was the filler in the space and while she did her costume changes. And we just performed all the time and people would come. They would moor their, moor their boats at the dock. Um, they would pay a penny and we would do the whole play for an hour. And of course, it was, we had our, it was like a variety show. We had our, you know, things like that, where we also were tackling important issues like pollution and garbage right. and things like that, you know. <laughs> and then that just, you know, of course, with arts and education in your school program was vital. And it's still vital today. And it just breaks my heart when I hear how it's being cut out of programs. Uh, drama was a big part of it. And we, it was called Theater Arts. And that was grade seven. 
And Ms. de Villiers was the one who I sort of was introduced to art. And I remember speaking Gertrude's speech uh, when I was in grade nine, didn't understand what I was saying. Uh, my drama teacher in high school, Mr. Martin, I uh, was introduced uh, through Sears Drama Festival. I'm still friends with him. Um, he was my mentor. And uh, Sears Drama Festival, which was almost uh, was uh, canceled, but uh, National Theatre School came in and now it's called the National Drama Festival. And so that's been a real cornerstone for a lot of um, many playwrights and, and actors and designers. And a lot of people that are in the profession came from that kind of experience. Um, it was just really an opportunity. I couldn't really make up my mind what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a doctor and a lawyer and a teacher and, you know, saving and being heroic. <laughs> but I didn't want to go through the whole cha uh, training to be a doctor because what if I didn't like it? So to me, it was actually kind of practical. Yeah. <laughs> so I, could be an, I could be a doctor for an hour and then move on to something else if I didn't like it. Uh, I'm thinking so. parents probably encouraged the doctor path over the arts <laughs> path. Well, they didn't actually... They weren't really part of that conversation. They just, my mom was a teacher, a primary school teacher, and she's an artist. Uh, she recently died in June. Um, and my dad was uh, was a war vet and a football player and then ended up being working for Bell Canada. So, but ours was always part of our conversation, right? Like, they didn't, they wanted me to have a university degree. I think that's what it was. So that's why I went off to Queens and I got my drama degree. Um, but, they they knew because of their background that life is fragile and you never know what might happen. You might start off with a game plan, but things might change because they lived through the depression and the war. Um, my dad was also an orphan too as well, so he didn't have parents. So he knew about you have to make it on your own anyway. Um, so there wasn't really any outcome-oriented um, expectation of me. It was really about um, do what your heart tells you to do because you never know what might happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was mostly along that line. Yeah. And so you took acting and theater throughout high school, mm -hmm. and then what? Then I went to Queens and got my degree in drama. Um, uh, Greg Guanlist, who ended up being the artistic director and, and founder of Thousand Island Playhouse, was, that's when he first started that theater when I was there. Um, and that was pretty amazing to go back after graduating, maybe five years after, and, and work there too as well. And and um, and our whole family went back there again. You know, those summer regional theaters are so fabulous for for kids, right? It's mm -hmm. a great summer for, program for them. Uh, then I went to London Academy. No, actually, I went to Poughkeepsie for Vassar College, and I did this program, summer program, with the Powerhouse Theater Company that was um, came up from New York. So we had. Um, uh, John Patrick Shanley as Savage Limbo was premiered there, and I worked on the props for that. And that was a really cool stuff like that. And then I went to London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Um, best thing I ever did in my life. I loved every minute of it. Um, I'm actually uh, a mentor for a lot of the overseas actors um, that I'm part of that alumni. So I'm really connected to that that uh, conservatory, that program. Um, because you're in the heart of London and you have access to Europe and all these different countries and access to history and architecture and plays and and the diversity of the experience was amazing. So I and I made very, very good friends there that aren't actors, we're still friends to this day, who are my flatmates and things like that. So it was a, a, a coming of age story, not just an acting story for me by being there. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then, of course, when you're never ending as an actor, you're always professionally developing. So 
those are those institutionalized trainings. But when I came back to Canada, I, I was I worked at Cast and Rosemary Dunsmore was my teacher, and um, I adored her. She's a wonderful actor, and she was very inspirational about being a, an acting teacher and an actor, and how you can do both. And so, uh, and then you know uh, David Rotenberg and took uh, classes here and there, and you know I just a piecemeal here and there too, too as well. So just keeping your instrument honed. Mm-hmm. Right. And was your goal theater or were you, did you have that Hollywood dream at Mm-mm. some point? No, I, w- I wanted theater. I loved yeah. it. I didn't, I didn't really think about uh, film and television where my husband loves film and television. That's his thing. Um, he was more, and I, I, but neither one of us were not interested in being a celebrity or Hollywood right. star or anything. Um, I think it's really interesting to have a conversation now with myself as an older woman um, in this industry because I've never had to really maintain a certain kind of brand, if you use that catchy word now, um, of being an ingenue that having to grow into the industry if I was at that kind of uh, public sphere. Um, I've been able to navigate quite nicely and have a, a interesting, diverse uh, roles that I don't have to be accountable for that aesthetic demand as you age, um, which I think is sometimes uh, hurtful to many of the uh, emotional and psychological makeup of an actor. Um, I think there's more opportunity for older women now, absolutely, and I, and I encourage that even more so. And I love the fact that Reese Witherspoon is is producing now and taking having a production company, and really, and we're seeing a lot more. Um, with Netflix and all these other streaming, um, there, there's a lot more diversity in the storytelling. So you're not getting a certain kind of type uh, of expectation or an aesthetic. You're getting a really um, diverse um, opportunities for many different ages and uh, backgrounds and uh, cultures. So that's yeah, you're, you're seeing that more and more of mm-hmm. either older actors or actresses or people of color. They, they're like, well, if you're not going to give me the opportunities, I'm going to create mm-hmm. them myself. And so, Absolutely. yeah, like mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. and yeah. Nicole Kidman and all kinds of um, great actors are doing their own productions now. And and I think your your psychological relationship to your craft changes, right? So for sure in your 20s, you're thinking, you know, the moment you get that audition, you're already within 30 seconds accepting your Academy Award, right? So because you dream big. Yeah. Why not dream big, right? It gets you through the door. It, it helps you get on that stage when, when you know, it, you're terrified at the time. Um, but I think as I've aged and, I, I, you know, as things move on, um, it's about telling the story. It's about connection to your audience, um, whether that's directly in the moment of live theater or whether it's um, being on set and knowing what your role is to tell this part of the story so that a year from now when it's aired, that that's your job. So it's not, the, the romance is removed and I think that's a good thing because yeah. I think that gives you sustainability and uh, consistency and authenticity, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's, I'm also um, an acting coach. So I, I see a lot of change um, evolving with actors as they grow into who they are. It's very exciting to be bear witness to that. I think sometimes with young impressionable actors, there's uh, right now there's, you know, acting coaches that are popping up like Jiffy Pop Popcorn all over the city because there's so much opportunity and 
and actors are coming to the city and they're looking for who's that coach that's going to get me that job. And, um, and some, you know, acting studios and coaches adhere to that kind of, um, you'll work with us. And, 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 and I think that's really dangerous because, uh, I've heard uh, times when I've worked in particular environments where it's all about industry standards. Well, who says what the industry standards are? And it's through the male gaze, right? And that's really changed. Ever since the Me Too movement, that's really shifted. And we have to really take a good hard look. Who's the people that are communicating? What is the male, what is the, what is the industry standard, right? Because there's all sorts of different uh, ways to speak that. And I'm seeing young people giving away their power, unfortunately, because they want it so much and they don't have um, a guideline to help them through saying that's bullshit. (laughs) It's not until you're in your thirties that you're just going to go, ah, I've lived too much. I've had my kids. I've, I've had to pay my mortgage or I haven't been able to pay my rent, but I figured it out and I did it. So you have a certain experience that you go, ah, no, I know who I am now. And and I speak for who I am. So I think that that's um, an authenticity that has to happen for an actor and that has to come from who they are. And it's an individual journey. And, do you coach a lot of young actors or do you prefer the ones that are 30 and up and, and they've cool. been through stuff and they're ready to do the work? Um, Rob and I uh, have McNally Kennedy acting. So um, we have a, a myriad of different uh, skill sets and experienced actors. Um, I just worked with a little six-year-old and that's a different conversation because with, with six years old, they're they're just being cute. <laughs> you know, they, they just yeah. say the lines and they, they play what they play. And that's, you know, I'm not going to teach a craft or an art form. It's just letting them feel comfortable and being able to speak and, and wanting to, to be heard and tell a story. Um, I then work with, you know, everywhere up to 75-year-olds. And I've worked with uh, a lot of mostly, it seems to be the mostly 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old young girls who actually who are who are actually leading television series who are you know getting screen tests down in LA so I have a sort of a but it's all been word of mouth um and then I work with actresses that are you know in their 30s and 40s and 50s and and guys too as well um so there's a whole combination of skill set right and really being a coach as I think you would know it's a humbling experience right like you have to give space for their voice and yeah. just pay attention and listen and let them come up with their interpretation of the role. And you just, you just help them. It's, I always feel like I'm an MRI, right? Like I see the, the, the blocks, like you see the tumors. Yeah. <laughs> and your job, your job is to kind of massage them, not literally, but um, uh, through, through skill and technique and things like get rid of those blocks so that they can totally be free in their interpretation of the role. Yeah. And I find that for theater too. Hmm. Yeah. I find that even like I don't coach on the actual acting music. Mm -hmm. That's your job. I'm not Mm -hmm. a a performer, but I love coaching them on really, which does help in their acting is really who they really are, what they really want, Mm -hmm. their core values, Mm -hmm. their goals. you know what are their what is their motivation why do Mm -hmm. they want this career Mm -hmm. and when you really take the time to build that foundation everything else kind of comes easier later because you know Mm -hmm. I get as I've been a publicist for 16 years and I like working with 
the up and comers, but most of them now don't have everything that they need in order to be successful with publicity. So I've been turning them away for years going, unfortunately, these days, just because you have a project coming out, nobody cares. It's like, it's so hard to get press that you need to have your bio photos, you need social media activity, you need Mm -hmm. to work on your story. So that's part of what I coach on too, is like, What are those stories that led you to where you are now? Why do you Mm -hmm. want this? And Mm -hmm. that makes it interesting. So I teach them kind of how to share their stories to attract the fans, media, and industry to them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a whole process and it's it's confidence building as well, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and if you can bring all that, all your stories, experiences into your performance all the better mm-hmm. right yeah absolutely it's 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 finding the essence of who you are well what are you like and sometimes i get looks in, in, on their faces and they go what do you mean what am i and i said you have you have to look yourself and find out what you are what are you in the story and that takes time that yeah. gets, it changes right it's really interesting interesting process like sometimes i get cast as the broken female whose husband left her or died or I'd left him or there's some sort of something fractured about it. And I, and it's so funny because I've been married for 24 years and I've been with Rob for like 31 years. So I'm actually quite happy <laughs> married. <laughs> um, but, there, but there's an essence of you of sense of loss or grief or, or that you, you know, I mentioned that to Rob once. He says, come on, Kat, you got to know what that's from. And I go, oh, okay. It's not like it's a therapy session. It's not that because we don't do that. Um, that's not our job. But there is an element of vulnerability and bravery and the vulnerability of the reckoning of getting down into the trenches, right? Um, yeah. And getting into the uncomfortable world without with great deep empathy to what that story is. Um, and I think, uh, you know, actors are um, empathetic badasses and that's kind of our gig. Um, that's why it's sometimes hard after a show. You have to you have to have a, a mechanism in place to take care of yourself because it takes time to come down from that huge um, athleticism of giving of yourself to the story for the audience to experience. Um, and it's sometimes thankless. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just kind of go, okay. Especially, I, I, I've done two one-person shows and that's very much really, that is magnified because you're done. And there's nobody you can commiserate with. You, you don't go to the bar and shoot the shit with your Classmates, because that's it. And uh, yet, it's very freeing when you're doing the show, yeah. because it's yours, and you're you're in a beautiful connection with your audience in the moment. It's quite lovely, um, but yeah, it's lonely. I, I hear that from <laughs> artists a lot, like musicians or actors, and mm. they they're on the biggest high when they're on stage doing what they love. And then half hour later, they're in their hotel room all by themselves. And it's just like, it's hard on your mental health to have that such dramatic and you have to have, you know, strategies in place Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. support systems. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, my son is at the Royal Military College and, um, and uh, a colleague of mine, actually Florence McGregor, who um, started the whole process of actors being able to go to Shakespeare's Globe, she was the first. Um, she works in pastoral care using art and theater, and she's quite magnificent. 
And she sent me a video about how this um, motivational speaker is quite fabulous. He connects artists and military together. And it was because when my son wanted to do something like that, I went, oh my goodness, what the heck is that? I can't connect with that. And, uh, and a colleague of mine, Julian Richings, who's a fabulous actor, I don't know if you know of him, but his son actually went through our military uh, college and he's an infantry officer. And I talked to him about it. And, and he said they're very similar in the sense of the commitment and the discipline and the excellence and the thanklessness and the heroicism yeah. that's required to give of yourself and uh, in service to others. And sometimes I think that's what's shifted as, as I've grown into my profession is that that's really what I am. I'm in service to others. Um, it's it's not about me um, because the moment it becomes about you, it doesn't last very long. There's not sustainability with that. And that's when you see actors kind of going down the rabbit hole a little bit because they lost a sense of who they are and what they why they do what they do. And, right. they, and there's, there's sometimes inappropriate behavior that occurs. Like I see that sometimes with acting teachers um, they, because it's very powerful to be in front of a group of actors looking at you saying help me or how can you serve me it's it can be it's like a one-person show right so yeah you have to be very mindful of what that experience is and to be humbled by um the giving of yourself and not nobody owes you anything and, uh, and always remember that no it, the moment you start thinking people owe you something um i think that is very detrimental the moment you start comparing yourself that's the death of creativity um you have to really forge your own path and also have a vision, an ambition that is, I think, of giving to others. Because I think when you have a sense of purpose and service to others, that makes it life a little bit more important. Uh, and that's less navel-gazing, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, you, you know, you got to figure out, like, your why. And usually when I ask artists, you know, what is your why? Why do you want? Why do you want this dream? It's mm. like the first answer is very superficial, mm. and then mm. you go, okay, so why is that important to you? Mm -hmm. Then you mm. just keep asking why, 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 and yeah. then you get to that childhood experience that led you through all this mm. and then when they get there they're like oh wow i never even thought of that and it's like once you know that important piece then mm -hmm. it's the driving force mm -hmm. it keeps you going during the hard times yeah. it keeps you going during the hard times which is sort of similar too because i also have a health and wellness business um that i've been doing as well for the last six years and it's very similar in terms of why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I doing this? So I think in terms of actors surviving, sidekicks are really important now. Everybody's doing a sidekick, as you have to. Yeah. Not just actors, but, but like doctors, lawyers, teachers, uh, stay-at-home moms. Like, um, things are changing because it's all virtual now, right? And people are communicating through their smartphones. So um, I've been an Arbonne consultant for six years, and it's been very lucrative for me, not in the sense, well, monetarily, uh, but also the people that I connect with that I don't normally connect, and learning about um, learning about uh, personal growth and development, which is a huge part of it, which I don't think really we teach actors in acting school. Uh, personal growth and development, we we just teach them the technique and the art form and whatever, but we actually teach them how they can take care of their souls as things get more challenging throughout their careers. 
Um, and so that's why we have mental health is a huge part of um, the training facilities now, which is really important. Because um, I teach at Toronto Film School too as well as so individual coaching. And that seems to be part of the, the, the fabric uh, of the training facilities now because they have to have this sort of bedrock there for actors and for anyone who's suffering from this very difficult, it's a difficult time right now. (laughs) So people are trying to find ways to maintain their integrity and their authenticity and their artistry and who they are and and living day to day Um, uh, and trying to maintain, stay the course, right? Um, And being creative within that. So uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for what I've been able to create in my life for the last 35 years as an actor and an entrepreneur. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've faced personally over in building this career and maintaining a career in the arts? I think um, not comparing, right? I think in my 20s and 30s, it was all about why am I not there? Why am I not good enough? Why am I not at that stage? Um, being married to an actor, I was seeing a lot of opportunity that Rob was getting and I wasn't. Um, just because of math, they just, there's more guys, yeah. more opportunities. So I, I tried not to, um, you know, and sometimes, um, you know, I'm a very, I think, I hope I am. I think I'm a very generous person with my colleagues and I will support. And I understand that, you know, um, it's all in due time. I, I found that sometimes there was mean spiritedness, um, as in, with females in my industry because I think there's lack of uh, there's scarcity and when there's scarcity people get afraid yeah. and when they get afraid there's pain and they cut it and so we kind of defeat our own and I and I think there's a real movement now for female artists to really celebrate each other and say when I celebrate you I celebrate me and then there's abundance for all because the more we lift each other up the more that we're going to be braver to take the risks we need to take and that doesn't, that didn't really happen to be a aha moment for me till about 10 years ago. I went, you know what? My path is my path. And, um, I can't be in comparison to other people. I can be inspired. That's one thing. And to be really honored when you feel jealous, like, am I feeling jealous? Why am I feeling jealous? Because I want that. Why do you want that? You know, going to what you were just talking about, breaking it down to why, 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 why? And to really say it's because that person inspires me. So you don't have to actually do what they do, but you can actually be lifted up by what they do so that they're basically being brave and taking risks. So why not you do the same? But that could be your story could be different. And I think that's, that takes time to actually come to terms with that. And, that's, and it's hard, right? Um, there's, the, the rejection is a big one. If we all know rejections um, and not to know that they're, it's not rejection of you as a person. And so many, I, I think when I first started out, my identity was identified with being an actor. So if I didn't get the job, it was a rejection of me as a person. And um, and we all know that as actors. We all are people pleasers at one edge of the game. But we also can't be people pleasers, right? Like it's that weird dichotomy. <laughs> we have to want them to hire us. But at the same time, we, we, don't, we don't want to give a shit what they think. Because if we go in there trying to be what be what they be they should see of us will be outcome oriented and we'll never get the job because they'll smell it right they'll smell the desperation they'll smell the they'll feel the, the that you're there's a need as opposed to i want this job 
And and the terminology of going in, saying I'm going into an audition, I like to think I get to act today. I get to perform my interpretation of the role. And therefore, I own that. And that takes time to come to that place. And to trust that uh, the actor's instrument is not, um, it's very mystical. Like It's not like a tactile thing. It's internal. It's a feel, think, speak. It's a, it's a body, mind, soul, all interconnected together. And so, um, you know, it's it's a very unusual kind of instrument. And um, they're just starting to um, from what I understand, investigate what happens to an actor kinetically when they process um, the storytelling through their body, through emotion and thought. Uh, it's a very interesting process. Oh, yeah, that sounds <laughs> they're just interesting. Running, yeah, about the, 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 the skeletal, the muscular, and the, the nervous system that's all interconnected together. And uh, people, you know, our job is to really find the neurological diversity of people and how they behave, like acting is behavior, right? And so we have to give ourselves over to that and um, and then absolutely find that place where you can be taken care of for yourself. Like, I think if you have that one true person in this world that you can go to, where you can vent and do your shitty first draft after you don't get forgave or that, you know, that sort of thing. Um Who's, the, who's in your corner? Like, if you've got one of those, that you're you're going to be okay, with no judgment, shame, or blame or criticism. And I'm grateful, and blessed that I have that with my husband Rob, because we started out together. We were um, baby actors together in the Scopely Young Company. He had a little bit more experience than me, um, but that was my first professional gig. And we did. We were buddies and pals for like five, six years. And we did all sorts of shows together, and, and then I saw a show we did together where we played brother and sister. And uh, what happened was is that uh, the reviews came out and there's three reviews that talked about how they, they didn't understand why the director directed us to have this incestuous overtone. Um, <laughs> we couldn't figure out what was going on. <laughs> and of course... The chemistry, <laughs> everyone the could chemistry. see it. <laughs> everyone, the reviews, everyone could see it. <laughs> so we ended up uh, going out after that and got married about four years later. So it's, it's actually quite delightful. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm grateful for that relationship very much. So, yeah. And at what point did you start coaching? Oh, I I, I started integrating that into my acting career very early on. Yeah. So I uh, even when I was 16 years of age, it was the city of Toronto. They had little programs for the city of Toronto, and I would do drama program there. Or at summer camp, I was evening program coordinator in drama. Um, I did always did workshops throughout my acting um, when I was at Queens. Uh, certainly when I got back from Lambda, I, you know, instead of doing waiting tables, which I did do for a couple of years, I, I really was very proactive in getting entire arts, arts council grants and artists and education program. I, I, I you know, I, uh, learning through the arts and YPT. I did a lot of, uh, uh, courses and classes with YPT under Peter Gallagher, who's fabulous. And then, you know, I, and then I just, then I went off to, I worked at Armstrong Acting Studio. I was one of the original coaches there about 10 years. And we left about two years ago, Rob and I. Um, and then Rob came in on that too as well. And then we, um, and because we want to go on our own and really um, communicate and share our, our pedagogy and our way of working with actors. Um, we worked at University of Toronto Arendelle and Sheridan College. And then Rob and I are on a contract with the George Brown Media Studies now. Um, of course, everything has shifted now, but that's really what actors are doing now is they're doing uh, contractual work. Now, not every actor can be a teacher. 
So that has to be really clear as, um, you know, you may be able to do it, but to be able to communicate it and also understand the emotional, psychological component that goes along with an actor sharing their work and being a student, right? Um, and having um, a, a skill set to be able to um, be with that actor in whatever place they're at in their growth and development. Now, it doesn't mean you're a therapist. I don't think that's fair to say. Um, but you do have to be able to be present to their their development and growth and be also kind. And I think sometimes, you know, breaking them down to build them up again, that's gone away in the 60s. And for some reason, it still kind of rears its ugly head. Um, the acting institutions and acting coachings are really being brought to task now um, in terms of their behavior to students in a in a privileged uh, environment where they are not really held accountable for some of their behavior. So that's sort of been changing, and I'm looking forward to see where that goes and move forward with that. Yeah. So, what is your why? Why do you yeah. do what you do? What is your purpose? <laughs> Um, well, great. So I'm going to say something, then you're going to ask me why, why? And I love that. <laughs> um, um, I think it, it all sort of rolls down into one. It's, it's having a sense of purpose of service to others, to, uh, to give of myself to tell a story. And that would be part of the collective whole of the human experience. So whether that's, a, you know, a movie of the week, Hallmark movie, or whether yeah. it's Mrs. Warren's profession, I'm giving a gift to that person at that given period of time that even if they want to escape with a Hallmark movie, because that a lot of people do, they love them, or uh, they want to laugh, or they want to feel, that's my job. And I, I I honor that, and I think it's in service to others. I think that's what I do as a coach, too, as well. I'm in service to that young actor to uh, be brave to in the vulnerability of their work. And I give them that place to do that and not tell them that that's okay. Um, that's what we do. And uh, in terms of my health and wellness, it's the same thing. It's of service to others to be healthier, living healthier, safer lives, and um, maybe being financially independent, uh, empowering them to do that. So um, it's all, I think, intertwined in, that, in service to others. If that's a nice little label <laughs> I could give you. That's great. Um, so where can people find you online? Um, well, our acting studio is www.mcnallykennedyacting.com, and we do self-tapes and developmentals. We do online coachings, um, and we edit the self-tapes too as well, so we do that. You can see me on Instagram, mcnally62. Um, that's, you'll see a lot. I'm much more active on that. And, of course, on Facebook, Catherine McNally. And then my health and wellness business is www.catherinemcnally.arbon.com. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Any final words of wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I just stay the course and breathe it down. And um, this too will pass. And it will pass. And this, what's rocking down in the sediment of the bottom of the crap is rising to the surface now. And we need to see it. And we're going to brush it away because we're going to start anew again in a whole new wonderful way and I look forward to seeing what happens with us all yeah that's fantastic wonderful well thank you so much well thank you this has been lovely and thank you for um sharing your space for us to speak and share with others greatly appreciated 
Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 